Hey, it's Benji Cole, son of Al Cole from CBS Radio and host of People of Distinction. The talk that gives an in-depth view of some of the most dynamic, intelligent, and successful people on the planet. Run to our website, peopleofdistinction.org, for more info. Or you can always email me directly at benji at alcoholenterprises.com. And on the line with us today, we have Peter A. Hubbard. And we're going to be discussing his amazing book, The Tears of Hope, book one of the trilogy. Now, that's available for purchase through Amazon as well as barnesandnoble.com. But people, if you want to gather everything that Peter has in store, do yourself a favor and head directly to his personal site. And that's peteraHubbardBooks.com. There you'll find more information on Peter, more information on this fantastic narrative, as well as find all of the other books that he is currently writing, has written. It truly is a one-stop shop. Head on over there. Once again, that's PeterAHubbardBooks.com. And I do want to quickly point out that Peter was brought to our network, People of Distinction, today by one of the best publishers in the business, Brilliant Books Literary. So listen to me, people, if you're a writer out there and you're listening and you have a narrative that you've written that you need help moving, I'm going to give you some fantastic advice here, okay? Contact Brilliant Books. They're one of the best in the business to do it, and they specialize in taking your literary creation to the next level. So head on over to BrilliantBooksLiterary.com today and figure out all the ways that they can assist you. And listen, it is an absolute pleasure to have Peter here on the line. Now... The moment you head on over to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, PeterAHubbardBooks.com, you start to do any research on his book, people, you are in for a ride, okay? You are truly going to be taken on a roller coaster of events, okay? This is a psychological suspense novel that you're not going to be able to put down. Not only is it a page turner that you're going to get lost in, but it also carries a lot of weight in terms of some of the questions that are going to be posed to you as the reader and how you would react given certain circumstances. Now, listen, I pray that the things that happen in this book never happened to us or to you or humanity in general. But I think it's worth exploring, okay? The the adventurist in me is like, yeah, I'm here for it. I want to put myself in this predicament. I want to think about how I would react if I were placed in certain certain circumstances, right? And in the day and age that we're currently in, where a lot of movies, like, this is something that I think is made for the cinematic screen, okay? I'm just going to put that out there. We'll maybe discuss it later on. I think it's something that needs to be on the TV screens, needs to be on your film screen. But also, I remember growing up, and watching a show, and I don't know if it's still on TV anymore, but it was called Doomsday Preppers. Now, I'm not going to go into too much of an elaboration on it. And you can tell by the title what it explored. But this book, when I was doing my research and prepping for today's interview, that show came to mind. right? Because again, it has variations to that in terms of if you're faced with a particular circumstance where you may feel the light that you may feel like your world is coming to an end. How would you prepare? How would you react? People listen, this is fantastic. This is a novel that needs to be on your shelf. This is a novel that needs to be on someone else's shelf. I'm t- once we start this discussion, 
you're going to understand what I'm saying here. And I'm trying, like, I'm at the edge of my seat trying not to dive off that deep end so fast because at the end of the day, Peter is the expert. He's written and he's going to be able to articulate it better than I ever could anyway. But I'm telling you, sit back, strap in, and get ready for this fantastic ride because we're going to scratch the surface here today. But by the time we're finished, you're going to run to purchase your copies because this is something that needs to be on your shelf. And listen, don't take my word for it. Take Peter's, okay? Peter, first and foremost, welcome to People of Distinction, man. And thank you very much for being a guest. How are you doing today? Thank you, Benji. Lovely to talk with you. And I'm doing extremely well. Thank you. Australia is a wonderful country to live in, almost as good as America. (laughs) There you go. Well, listen, I haven't been to Australia, but I've heard nothing but fantastic things. I have a few Australian friends, and they speak very highly of it. So I'm hoping that at, at a certain point very soon, I'll be able to visit myself and see what all the fuss is about, because I've always heard great things. Welcome to People of Distinction. It's a pleasure having you here, Peter. And listen, let's jump right in, man. First and foremost, how long did you spend writing the book? Because it's a trilogy, uh, it took a long time at the front end to do the research. That was about six to nine months. Then it took another six months to write it. And it took another six months to find a, find a publisher and uh, get it edited and knocked into shape. So probably, probably a year and a half, all told. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. You know, listen, I, we're going to go into a deep psychological question here with this next one, but I'm here for it, Peter, and let's do it, man. What is hope for you? Benji, in today's environment where we have a very difficult political juxtaposition between the truth and whatever gets reported in the newspapers or on digital media, we find that the family is, is a very difficult unit to define. We also find that there are lots and lots of issues that are so big when we sit down at our dinner table and we talk about them, we we really can't do anything about it, or at least we feel that we can't do anything about it. The real problem is that we don't know how to attack the problem. We don't know Hmm. how to define it. We read about it, we hear about it, and we nod, and we accept it intellectually, but we don't really physically, visceral, feel what the problem really is. So the trilogy uh, is aimed to generate comment on two key issues, that of refugee children and the dilemma, the moral battle between human cost and technological advancement. Now, that might sound like, you know, a whole lot of highfalutin rubbish, but the fact of the matter is we live in an environment where we're dictated to by the technology that we use. Yeah. We don't really think very much about it. We just use it. And in a sense, that's very, very good. But how would you behave if these things didn't exist? Where would you get your hope from? Because most people enjoy going through the day mostly con- content with what they're doing. And, they, you know, and we, we tend to live in a bubble. And the bubble is one of, it'll be okay. We'll keep doing what we're doing and good things will probably happen. But if you lose the very fabric of what you're involved in, if, for instance, you, you turned up one day and there was no power, that might be a little bit of a blip. But then if your phone service died, that would probably be a little bit more serious. And then if your internet completely died and your computer didn't work, that would possibly be even even more of an issue for you, mm-hmm. depending on how much of your life was involved around those devices. But then if you found that other parts of society were breaking down around you, there was no fuel, no gas, and very, very suddenly no water, 
you're thrown into an environment that you're very unfamiliar with and you go into survival mode. Where does the hope come from? When you look out the window and you see people running around the streets with guns, killing each other indiscriminately, how do you develop a sense of hope? You have to look to the family unit. You have to look to the community. You have to look for um, those around you who you are used to being supported by. So hope for me is that wonderful step beyond the messy current future to a possible tomorrow where I can have some control over what I'm doing. Peter, I love this, man. People, as I mentioned, when we first started, this is something that I would be, I can confidently say needs to be on the television screen, needs to be on the film screens. Like this is something that I think represents and symbolizes so much. And I think one of the most important things that you said in your previous answer is you're talking about that moral dilemma. And I think that in and of itself is so valuable to explore and offers so much. Well, it just offers so much, right? And I, and I, I love what you're saying here. So now as we start to move forward, I'm curious, Peter, are the characters in the plot in your book based on real people and events? Benji, in the research that I did, there were so many disturbing facts that I turned up that I couldn't help but incorporate a lot of them into the story. And in terms of real persons, I visualized a person that I knew or had come across or I'd read about or seen on TV, and I put them into the plot. Yes, of course I did. The interesting thing is, though, is that the people represent themselves. One of the great things about developing a character is quite often the character develops you. And mm. what I found was that when I put the character on the page, the next day the character would tell me what they wanted to say, what they wanted to do, or how they would handle a particular situation. So, yes, it is based on real events. And, and the worst event of the lot, of course, is that about every, what, eight minutes or so, a child under the age of 10 dies somewhere in a refugee camp somewhere in the world. Wow. And if you think about that number, I mean, it's mind-blowing. You know, you multiply it by an hour and by a day and by a week and by a year. Right. And it's just tragic because children are our future, uh, whether we acknowledge it or not. When we are parents or when we're adults, we're passing what we believe and how we behave onto our children in the hopes that they will do better than we did. And to have that number was really quite scary. Um, and I'll just repeat it because... You know, one child under the age of 10 dies every eight minutes in a refugee camp somewhere. Mm. And, th and that's the focus for the story. People, again, we're here on the line with Peter A. Hubbard. We're discussing his book, The Tears of Hope, book one of the trilogy. Again, it's available for purchase through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, but make sure you check out his personal site, PeterAHubbardBooks.com, to gather more on what he has in store. You know, Peter... After that answer that you previously gave, I, listen, how could I go anywhere else? You're talking about the research that you did and how you've incorporated real life events and circumstances in the book. Well, I have to ask, Peter, without giving too much away, what are the events that actually happen in real life that you write about in the book? Well, the plight of the refugee children is, is discussed in some detail, not in gory detail, but enough to give you a feel for, for what the habitat feels like and, yeah. and their experiences feel like the political grandstanding well we see that every day in everything we read and hear and listen to and that's covered 
to some extent in terms of raising the questions that we should be asking about those things. And the dependency and the adoption of technology at the cost of family and community. I tend to go into that quite a bit because, uh, as we say in the IT world, the people that buy the hardware aren't the ones who use it. So you have this big disconnect between all the things that we are encouraged to buy versus the way they work and what they take away from us mm -hmm. in the process of delivering this digital experience. You know, Peter, curiosity for myself with this next one, but when it comes to the characters that you've established in your novel, is there any particular character that you see yourself in? Unfortunately, not really. I'd love to be the heroine. I'd love to be <laughs> one of the heroes. The problem is characters tend to write themselves. Uh, and from yeah. my experience as a writer over many, many years, I find that I am in every character. There's some behavioral trait that a character exhibits that's come from me, and that just makes it more real to me. I also think it makes it more real to the reader because they can see themselves in the various colors and flavors and shapes of the characters as they develop in the story. But if they don't reflect me to a certain, a certain belief, well, then they're, they're not real. They're not part of the story. Mm -hmm. You know, well, one character in particular in your book is a character called Captain Jessica. Talk to us about your inspiration behind that individual character. Captain Jessica evolved from my eight-year-old daughter who on a holiday up in the Sundays, talked me into taking her for a ride on a jet ski. She sat in, in front and I put my arms around her. She took off into a three-foot uh, swell at the speed of light, bounced around, ripped around for 10 minutes. When we got the wave from the beach to indicate that our time was up, she turned, pointed at the shore, wound up to full speed and rammed the boat 25 feet up the sand jumped off, put her hands on her hips, looked at me and said, and that's how I'm going to drive. <laughs> now, I've got to tell you, at eight years of age, that was a kind of terrifying experience. Absolutely. Because I could see her getting in a car and doing exactly that. And that's where the character for, for, for Jessica came from. Uh, and that, in fact, is her name. Her name is Jessica. So that's quite real in, the, in that sense. There you have it. Well, listen, Peter, you got a little thrill seeker on your hand, okay? And also, as a father of a young daughter, listen, that I, just hearing that story makes my heart jump and skip a beat because I'm hoping my little one isn't as much of a thrill seeker because whew, I don't know how I'll handle it, man. You, you, got, you got your work cut out for you there, Peter. You know? What do you hope for after finishing the book, Peter? What do you hope that your readers are going to take from it? And really, what do you envision? Well, the issue is we keep making refugees. Uh, and I know that sounds like a trite statement. But if you look at the current war between Ukraine and Russia, over a million new refugees have been made so far. Yeah. And that's still going up uh, every single day. I guess what, what I'd really hope for is that if, when people read the book, they get an appreciation for what creates a refugee in the first place and in some small way determine that they'll try and do something about it. It's a conversation that will go on for decades. Te technology continues to leave us in, in its wake. The drive is for profit rather than for performance, and it often overwhelms our ability to adapt. And I'd like to see us becoming more and more aware of these technological frauds, as I'll call them, um, so that we can get back to a more family community-centered lifestyle. I, I think it's something that we miss, and I think it's something that would enhance our future, our hope, our sense of being uh, greatly if we could get back there. You know, Peter, I love what you just said. 
Because listen, people, of course, the the narrative itself is fantastic. And it's such a wild adventure that, you know, my thrill seekers out there, my readers out there, you're going to love embarking upon, right? This is a great narrative to just get lost in and take you away. Again, those are the moral questions that you can kind of sit and dwell in. But understanding that it's a fictional narrative, so you know you're safe and you have some fun with it. But outside of just the entertainment aspect, you you brought up a number of times refugee children and the circumstances and the plight that they go through. And of course, I know there are a lot of other factors and, and you don't go into it in grave detail, but you do bring it up. And I think that what is wonderful about that is the awareness that it's going to be able to create and the conversations that are going to be able to ensue through your readers because of that. I think there's so much value in just that notion in and of itself that really raises your book and your narrative to another level. Because again, yes, people, this is entertainment for entertainment's sake, but there's also so much underneath. And there's a lot of value there to really be carried over into our day-to-day lives. This is fantastic. Listen, as we close out here, Peter, the only other question that I can ask is, listen, we've discussed so much information pertaining to your book. Is there anything else that we have not discussed that you really want to make sure our listening audience is aware of? Oh, Benji, there's so much I'd like to say. But just to keep it short and, and, uh, and legible, as it were, uh, I want people to read this book and feel hope. I want them to get a sense that, that we can do something about it, that as individuals... We do have the power to change the future. And that's really what we need to do. We need to get together, look at what's happening around us, make some determinations based on good sense, proper behavior and love. And and the thing that family stands for, we all come from a family somewhere at some point in time. We've all evolved through the family structure, but I think we've lost sight of the benefits of that and probably... Part of us wants to get back there and we're not quite sure how to. And I hope that by reading this book, you get some sense of connectivity with the value of family, the value of community and and how you can experience those things at a human level rather than just at a technology level. You know, I often like to close out of my shows giving a reflection, offering a spiel. It doesn't even feel right to do that in this instance. What we have discussed and really that final answer that Peter just gave is it, it so perfectly encapsulates everything. What his book represents, what his books stand for. I'm going to just close out by saying, once again, this is something you need to have on your shelf. And for the majority of my listening audience out there, I know you're already there. You've already gone to his Amazon Barnes & Noble pages. You've gone to his personal website, PeterAHubbardBooks.com. You are getting ready to purchase the book as we speak. For everybody else, you need to wake up. You're asleep. I don't know what's going on. But once again, the name of the book is The Tears of Hope. Book one of the trilogy. Head on over there. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, PeterAHubbardBooks.com. Get lost in it. Check out all of the other books that he has written as well. And check back in frequently because there's more on the horizon. This is not it. Okay. Peter is putting in work and there are a lot more that he has on the horizon. So check back in frequently and make sure you pick it up. Peter, this has been an absolute pleasure. Such an honor. Thank you once again for being a guest on People of Distinction. Thank you, Benji. I've enjoyed the experience. Very nice to talk with you. 
You're very, very good at what you do.